to the final spooky episode of Friends with Cinefits. I am your gracious host, Alex McAllister. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, I'm joined by not only our guest last week, but we got a little surprise for you. We have two guests this week. So first off, Mason Head, say hello. Hello, I'm back, everybody. If anybody didn't like me last week, well... You get to hear me again. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You'll like him even less after this episode. Absolutely. Um, and then we also have Mason Head's lovely roommate and just overall beautiful man, great dude, Gabe Rowletter. Gabe, say hello. Hello. What's up, everybody? Alex, you got me blushing. You got me blushing out here, man. <laughs> and I'm, hey, happy to be here. Very happy to be here. I'm excited for this. I'm happy to have you here. I wanted to have a three-way episode and then it just kind of happened spontaneously so i'm glad it's happening this way so last week if you guys listened to get out last week with the lovely mason head um he mentioned that he hadn't seen the shining and it is my favorite horror movie so i said hey mason you're gonna hop on and we're gonna do it and he said yeah sure and so that's what we're doing, The Shining. Guys, do you have anything to add before I get into the background of the movie? Wow. This is both your first times watching it. Yes. But you've heard of it, it, correct? Yes. Heard of it, yeah, but it always been like that. Never really got around to watching it. Didn't really exactly. seem all that interesting. Can't really believe that this is your favorite horror movie of all time after <laughs> after watching it. That's not at all my my reaction. Wow. As you guys can tell, I don't think they like it. But anyways, um, I'm going to read the synopsis, and then I'll get more into the rest of the stuff about the movie. If you guys have anything to say, just blurt it out. We don't care. This is a laid-back podcast. Also, we're shooting this at night. Normally, it's like afternoon, evening. It's It's even spookier. Yeah, it's spookier now, so who knows. Okay, here is the synopsis for Stanley Kubrick. The Shining. Writer Jack Torrance, a former alcoholic, accepted a job as the winter caretaker for a hotel high in the Rocky Mountains, isolating him, his wife, and their psychic young son until spring. But when the first blizzard blocks the only road out, the hotel's stored energy from evil past deeds begins to drive Jack insane, and there may be no escape for his family in this haunting story of madness, memory, and violence. Just, so just that's to the start shiny. off here, yeah. I, I, it would have been nice to read the synopsis before <laughs> I watched it, because it did take me a second to notice that the son was psychic. <laughs> he was talking to Tony in the mirror. Bro, I talked to Tony too when I was four. I was oh, not psychic. Well, who knows? Everybody has a little bit of shine in them. But anyways, Level we'll get into it. Um, very low. Yeah, that's true. So... This movie, it had a budget of $15 million, and in the box office, it made $46.2 million, so not too shabby. Okay. Um, it has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes with the critic score and a 93% with the fans. Wow. <laughs> what do you think of that, Gabe? I'm in that 7%. That would definitely give it a thumbs down. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm upset. <laughs> I, w- I would be throwing hands right now in person, but hey, it's fine. I don't mean to irk you. 
so um, this movie was based on a Stephen King novel. I'm pretty sure everybody's pretty much heard of Stephen King by now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stanley Kubrick definitely took some liberties with this movie. Stephen King is not a fan at all. And some people even think that Kubrick may have made some um, additions to the movie just to spite Stephen King. So one of the things is in the book, there was a like red Volkswagen that the family drove in to the hotel. And in the movie, um, at one point when... Um, What's his name? Why am I thinking? Dick Holleran. Um, Whenever he's coming back up the mountain in the snow, there's like a semi that's crashed and it's crushed a red Volkswagen Beetle. And so, I don't know, some people said that's Stanley Kubrick saying like, hey, I destroyed the thing you made and I made mine even better. But hey, that's not confirmed anywhere. I have a lot of theories about this movie from the documentary Room 237. Um, it's literally just a bunch of theories about the movie and it gets pretty weird. I don't believe a lot of them, but we'll talk about them. And since you guys probably don't know the theories, I think it'd be cool to see what you guys think about them. Yeah, totally. Yep. Um, so like I said, this is directed by Stanley Kubrick off the top of your guys' heads. Do you know if you've seen any of his other movies? I don't watch movies, apparently, so no, I have not. Okay, well, (laughs) he has done Full Metal Jacket. Love it. Oh, wow, Um, okay. uh, Dr. Strangelove. And How I Learned to Stop Caring and Love the Bomb or something like that. Um, That's a good one. Clockwork Orange. Orange? Uh, That really ring a bell either. Okay, and then 2001 A Space Odyssey. Negative. I think Full Metal Jacket's the only one registering out here. Okay. Yes. Cool. Well, I mean, he's done more than that, but those are my favorites of his, I guess. Full Metal so, Jacket was great, mention. though. Yeah, it is. Well, most of his but, movies are, including The Shining. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so, Stanley Kubrick, he is said to have an IQ of 200, which is the same level as Leonardo da Vinci and Isaac Newton. But you think he could have made a good movie. <laughs> Fuck you, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> He's made tons of them. But um, I couldn't find anywhere that verified that. It was just mostly a bunch of people saying, like, and he said to have an IQ of 200. But I couldn't find anywhere that proved that he's actually had that IQ. So I don't really believe it. But, hey, who knows? Um, and he grew up, he didn't really like school, so whenever he got older, he's from New York, he eventually played chess for money, and started hustling people playing chess. Wow. Which, I mean, that kind of speaks to his intelligence, right? Like, you can't be dumb and hustle people for chess, but what do I know? (laughs) Do you know how to play chess? I do, slightly. I'm not good. I don't think I've ever won, but... Want to play for a 20? I'm down, right now. (laughs) After. Okay, after. <laughs> I'd watch that match. Can I get on in that action? I, I think my money's on yeah. Alex. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, for Alex's first win. There we go. 
Uh, Stanley Kubrick w- is known for being very demanding and meticulous. So, um, like a Shelley Duvall, um, she plays Wendy in this. The mom. Oh, horse teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's that was kind of mean. Our, but both of one of our first comments was like, "Wow, she's got some beavers on her." Wow. <laughs> Look at those things. You guys are just attacking this lovely woman. <laughs> I'm sure she's we, very nice. We can bring up Mason's haircut right now and how stupid it looks. Hey, easy on that one. Because otherwise they'd be laughing at me. <laughs> okay, that's true. He said um, he was going to grow it out. He didn't last very long. He gave in. There you go. But I feel like we're kind of doing the Kubrick method of this. Um, supposedly, he would make people do like 80 takes of the same thing over and over again. Because I guess his theory behind it was... You know, you plan it one way and you do it and you think that's best. And so it makes you keep doing it. You get tired. You start wearing down and you do it differently without it. And then you start getting delirious. And then you start adding this more emotion to it just because you're so tired. Um, And so that's going to be this night edition of our podcast. You know, if only we'd been recording this about 20 times throughout the day and then now we're doing it the final time. I didn't see that. They made the little kid and the cook record there, like when he explained The Shining to him, like a mm-hmm. hundred times or something. So. Yeah, oh my and God. Even, that's a lot for a little kid. Jeez. And the kid was actually fine with it. Um, Scat McCruthers was the one who said, "I can't do this anymore. Like, this is way too many takes." Um, and so yeah. that's actually, I'll just kind of skip ahead to the kid, Danny Lloyd, who plays Danny Torrance in the movie. Uh, they met with hundreds of kids and he was the only one that was able to sit still and concentrate on one thing for like an extended period of time. And so they were like, yep, he's going to be perfect for this. And also he didn't know that this was a horror movie during the entire time that they shot the film. They just told him it was a family drama. Wow. So... Yeah, and so he, like, literally thought, oh, I'm talking to my imaginary friend. He's a nice guy, I guess. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's crazy. I wonder how they pulled that off. Yeah, but Like with the twins and everything? I don't know about the twins. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because there were definitely some moments in the movie where he was, like, at least acting pretty terrified or whenever he was, like, laying in the bed, like, ghost white and shivering and... Mm -hmm. Or like when he got beat up, like that's interesting. Hmm. I'm, it is. Maybe I'm liking the movie more. Okay, there's a lot but, going on with this. <laughs> there's so much going on, but anyways, um, Danny Lloyd is who played Danny Torrance. Um, they said it's easier that both their names were Danny, because uh, you know Kubrick liked to interact with the actors and keep them in character, and so this was easier for him because he's like, oh, Danny's Danny. Um, and another interesting thing, he was in this, this was his first role. And then I think he had a small part in a TV show or a movie. And then he retired at the age of 10 and wasn't in anything else until Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to the shining that just came out in 2019. Um, Uh he just has a small cameo in it. He has like one line or something. So it's pretty cool. I didn't even recognize him until I was researching it for this. That's crazy. I didn't realize that Dr. Sleep was the sequence. And then just done. Yeah. Um, and so, 
Uh, I'll talk a little bit about Dr. Sleep while we're at it, but it's much different. Like, I think The Shining leaves a lot up to interpretation, which I like in my movies. I know a lot of people don't. Um, but Dr. Sleep is more like, hey, there is actually, like, this paranormal thing called The Shining, which is just like being psychic. Some people have it, and then there's this cult that goes to people with the shining and they try to suck it out of them and then they can live longer and become like live forever if they wanted. Um, and so I don't think I liked the plot of Dr. Sleep really, but it was kind of cool to see them like kind of expand on the lore. I don't think Stanley Kubrick had exactly what they were going for in mind when he made it, but Hey, what do I know? Um, also, it was directed by uh, Mike Flanagan, who just did the Haunting of Hill House and the Haunting of Bly Manor. So, if you guys haven't seen those, check them out. I like them. But the star in this movie, I'll just head to him, Jack Nicholson. Most people know him. Um, have you guys seen any other thing Jack Nicholson's in? Oh, yeah. Anchor yeah. Management, is he in that? I don't think so. I don't even know what that is. Uh, no, is Adam yeah. Sandler? I think he's in, yeah, he's in Anger Management. Okay, then yes, he is. Um, I've seen Jack Nicholson in uh, A Few Good Men. And, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he, he was the one of the, he was the Joker. Not Maybe not the original Joker, but the Joker in one of the uh, the yeah. earlier Batmans, right? Yeah, I feel before like, our time. Yeah, before our time. But I've, <laughs> still, I've seen those. And he's just, he's really good at, that being kind of terrifying because even in like yeah. a few good men, it's not a scary movie at all, but his character is just, it's, he's extremely intimidating. Yeah. And it, he's also in one flew over the cuckoo's nest where he just plays, you know, a mentally insane person. So it's pretty cool. Um, he got his start in easy rider, which I'm currently reading a book called easy rider, raging bulls, the story of how Hollywood was saved by sex, drugs, and rock and roll or something. Um, And it's talking about how, like, in the 60s, it was just a bunch of old people doing all the directing, and then people like um, Francis Ford Coppola, um, Peter Bogdanovich, all those people came in, George Lucas, and just, like, flipped the world on its head and started making movies that like no one had ever seen before. Um, so it's pretty cool. I'm only like a hundred pages in, so I'm still learning everything, but they talk about Jack Nicholson a lot. So it's kind of cool. They were like, he was just friends with all of the directors. And so they started putting them in his movies and then they're like, Holy crap, this guy can act. So it's pretty cool. Dang. Um, he does have the most male nominations for Oscars. So that's pretty He's impressive. Pretty talented, yeah. Um, oh, he was also in Chinatown by Roman Polanski. Do you guys are you guys familiar with Roman Polanski? No, I'm not. I'm not here. Um, he he was married to Sharon Tate, who was murdered in the Manson family murders. Oh wow! Um, and so his wife and kid were murdered by the Manson family. Um, Oh my gosh. And now Roman Polanski is a criminal, a fugitive of the United States for um, the sexual assault of a 13-year-old girl at Jack Nicholson's house. 
in 1977. So, what? Jack Nicholson wasn't in town. He was like shooting somewhere else, and Roman Polanski just, I guess, took a 13 year old girl to Jack Nicholson's house. Is how I. Is he like on the run? Yeah, he's in, I think, France. Um, They won't extradite him or anything, but. Yeah, bad bloke. Jeez. Yeah. So, I thought that was an interesting backstory for Jack Nicholson (laughs) and Roman Polanski. And my recommendation for next week, I'm going to give you a little hint. Directed by Roman Polanski. So. Okay. Bad dude, good movies. Yeah. Um, He also still directs, I think. I don't think the movies are that good. I don't want to support him as much now that I know all this stuff about him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. Um, Shelley Duvall was Wendy Torrance. Um, she's in a bunch of the movies that I'm reading about in my book. Um, but I nothing I'd seen her in. She won. She was nominated for the Golden Raspberry for Worst Actress for this movie. Oh. What did you guys think about her performance? <laughs> wow. Is the Golden I, Raspberry like the knockoff of like actual awards? Yeah, it's like the hey, we're giving out stuff for the worst movie, the worst actress, all that stuff. The worst like, of uh, the worst. Yeah. Okay. So she was nominated for worst yeah, actress. I thought she. I thought it was she was really like pretty good. I didn't you can tell like Kubrick supposedly just drove her like. To her wits' end in this, and you it can kind of tell like, like she was losing. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. But like, it, it also helped with the whole movie because yeah. everybody was kind of losing it. Exactly. Yeah, I like her performance, but whenever I was researching stuff about it, everyone's like, "Yeah, she sucked in this," and I was like, "I don't know. I think she sold it. Like, she's pretty crazy." It sounds like her getting nominated for the Golden Raspberry for Worst Actress kind of aligns with my feelings towards this this film a little bit more, though. Wow. <laughs> um. And so the only other person I really want to hit on is Scatman Crothers as Dick Holleran. Um, what a name. He is from Terre Haute, Indiana. No way. Yeah, us three are Indiana well, boys, so baby. I figured I'd give him a shout out. He started out as a musician. His name's actually Benjamin, but um, he got the nickname Scatman, and so he keeps it. I have to say Scatman, two separate words, because I think it's cooler. Scatman. Uh, and he's appeared in four different films with Jack Nicholson. I hadn't seen any of the others, but Scatman Crothers. Cool okay. dude. Um, so that's all I got for the actors, actresses, crew, and stuff. I do have a lot more on, like, I guess the conspiracies of the movie and stuff, so... I think we should go into those. Okay. Yeah, um, for sure. We'll... Yeah, we'll just start going into the movie. Um, if you guys have anything to say, this is the time. Just speak up, say whatever. Because I've been talking too much, you know. But, Mason, did you notice anything interesting about the opening uh, credit sequence? Like, the helicopter shot. It's pretty iconic. Yes. Um, so going back on Get Out, since we watched that last week and talked about go. it. The writing of all the like names and everything and even the shining mm-hmm. was in like a baby blue sky blue color and that was also the same color that get out was in yeah i picked um, up on that exactly so i thought that was cool like as soon as i turned it on that's what i noticed i was like 
we literally just talked about that last episode, the font and get yeah. out, and it's the exact same in this. So, And then I, I noticed cool. it just, maybe it's just because get out is still on my mind, mm-hmm. but when they were sitting down to kind of like interview for the hotel keeper's job, the, they, were, they had teacups, and I just thought that, you know, they were going to get psychically <laughs> controlled. Yeah, yeah, sure. I was um, kind of nervous for them. So there is some stuff from the beginning that I do want to talk about, like just the couple opening scenes specifically. I guess we should split it up, like the interview process, um, him going to the interview before they actually go and stay in the hotel. Um, so one of those is like, he has the interview with, um, the manager of the hotel. I think Ullman is his name. And there's one weird thing about that room. And you only, I only noticed it because I watched the documentary about this movie. Um, and they said later on, so they're in that the office and there's a window behind them, bright light shining in. And then later on, they just go out and walk around and go to a hallway right behind his office. So there's no window there. I saw that in one of the explanation videos. I, and I there's, there's no way I would have picked up on it without that. Exactly. Um, there are so many things like that in this movie. It kind of drives me crazy, but it makes me love it. So like one is, um, the iconic scene that has to do with the moon landing, supposedly. Um, but it shows <laughs> Mason, you made a look. Do you know about that? No, I'm very <laughs> the moon landing. Okay. I feel like I could watch this movie and be like, Oh, this scene had to do with the fact that like Wendy's make square patties and like people would believe it. <laughs> That's pretty much what room two thirty seven is about. So some of the conspiracies are uh, Stanley Kubrick made this to let people know that he directed the moon landing and that it was all fake. So I'll get into that. Um, there's what? also that this movie is about the Holocaust. There okay. is that this movie, this one was stupid. I just kind of zoned out when they were talking about it. This movie is about minotaurs. Love it. And then Jeez. one is about, um, like the genocide of Native Americans, which I can kind of see that one because there is a lot of like imagery. Yeah. For like I don't know, all the designs kind of have and Native the, American. The whole Native American like burial ground. Yeah, thing. and at one point, like it's a real weird. It's the sequence when he's at the bar with the ghostly bartender, and he says like "white man's burden," and like mm-hmm. it didn't really make sense in the dialogue that they were saying. Um. So it kind of, I don't know. I kind of saw that one as plausible. Um, so I'll get into some of the weird stuff about the plot. And with that, I'll talk about the moon landing and see what you guys think about these. Okay. Uh, so there's the scene where Danny is in the hotel and he's playing with his like cars. And you guys know the cool carpet. Um, it's like a hexagon or whatever. And yeah. he's mm-hmm. sitting in the middle of it. And there's like a line going out from him, like down the hallway and this yellow ball rolls up and he looks up and no one's there. And then it, it like shows him stand up and he's wearing an Apollo 11 shirt. And so it like Mm -hmm. looks like it's lifting off or whatever. Um, and like 
next to him, like, there's the room 237 and the door's cracked open. And so one of the conspiracies is that Stanley Kubrick shot the moon landing at some studio, like, in the studio 237 is, like, the stage 237. And so he changed it in the book. The room is 217, but in the movie it's 237. So they're like, oh, he changed it for that. Um, and then it shows like Apollo 11 lifting off. Um, but as soon as he stands up, it'll cut back to him and the carpet is reversed. So like the line was going out in front of him and the ball rolled down the line. And then whenever he stands up, the line's going out the back and there's no line in front of him. And that's another one of those weird things. Like is Kubrick doing this to like make the hotel seem like magical? Like, there's like, it doesn't make sense how the carpet just reverses, but everything else stays the same. And then the office has that window with bright light coming in it, but there's actually a hallway behind it. Like there's no way there could be a window there. Do you guys have any thoughts? on We haven't even gotten to my favorite one yet. I'm, I don't know. I'm, it makes me like the movie a little bit more, but I also just like (laughs) think that some people are just, coming out like pulling this shit out of their ass okay here's another one Yeah, a little bit this one isn't really conspiracy but um this is when they get the job um jack nicholson gets the job jack torrance um and they're like showing them around and scat mccruthers who plays dick he's showing the wife around wendy around the kitchen and so, do you guys remember the scene where they walk in the freezer and it's just a bunch of, like, frozen birds and he's, like, naming all the meats they have? Yeah. Yes. So, there's... It's shot from the hallway. And so, whenever they open the door behind them is the rest of the kitchen, ovens, all that stuff. And then when they come out, the camera's at the same exact place. Like, the door's still on the left-hand side or whatever. I think it's the right. I don't know. Um, they come out on... And behind them is, like, an exit. It goes down a different hallway to, like, a stairway. And so, like, that is a conscious choice that they had to make. Like, they go in this room, and then they come out, and they're at a different location. And so, it's stuff like that that makes me love this movie, because there's there's no explanation behind it, other than it's just weird. I'm so confused. (laughs) Like, I, I just watched this movie an hour ago, and I did not pick up on any of this. And I don't know if it's just because I was just, like, too focused on the characters and not, like, focused on their background or what. I've seen this movie probably four or five times, and this is the first time, like, doing all the research that I see all of this stuff and all the people talking about it, and it just makes me like it so much more. I just thought... Like, when you watch this, I'm assuming this is what you guys thought. It's just like a slasher. Like, this man goes crazy and ends up trying to kill his family. But when you get down to it, it's... I mean, it is that, but it's... There's so much more going on that's never really explained, I guess. Yeah. It's it's kind of... I don't know. It's crazy, because I... For me, it was very hard to pay attention, like, the first hour. Mm-hmm. I just... It, it just felt like very slow but Mm -hmm. if i would have known more about all these 
little details, I definitely think I would have paid more attention and like just like actively tried to pick up on them. Yeah, and that's why like I messaged you earlier and said I was super excited for it, and you're like, don't don't say anything, save it for the podcast. And it's because like this isn't stuff that you catch like just watching it. Um, you just kind of need someone to say it, and then the next time you watch it, like you catch this stuff, and you're like holy crap like there's so much more to this movie and so i'm hoping that's what this podcast will serve as like people listen to it and be like i don't remember any of this from the movie then they'll go back and watch it and see some of that stuff so i hope you guys don't hate it enough to where you'll rewatch it and kind of get a deeper appreciation for it yeah i think i going into it i was like this movie's horrible like (laughs) I, i don't like it but now like now that we're getting into it slowly I'm just thinking, like, you know, maybe I'll give it another chance. Like, I'll have to give some time in between views, but I'll probably give it another chance. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend watching Doctor Sleep and then, you know, giving it a while and then watching The Shining again. But we'll get back into the movie. Um, Are there any, before I go into more conspiracies, because I've been talking a while, are there any plot points that you guys just want to touch on that you either liked, you didn't like? Anything? Mm, well, sort of like Mason was was mentioning a little bit ago, it felt like almost the first two thirds of the movie were really slow, and like my mm-hmm. mind was wandering around trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. I know, like Mason and I were watching at the same time, and so we're kind of like, okay, well, like what what the hell is going on with this movie? Like why 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 do we decide to watch this? He's like nodding off over there. I'm going to like make i'm going to get like apple cider or snacks and stuff so like i wasn't definitely invested in picking up a lot of these details and it probably didn't help that going into watching this movie had had like no background read no synopsis did no like Mm -hmm. homework to kind of get an idea or like a frame of what the plot was what the movie was supposed to be like before watching it and then filling in the picture like of that frame it was literally just sit down watch this and it just as it unfolded i found myself thinking a lot more of just all right is this all build up until he finally snaps and that's where it gets exciting because it seems like we're Mm -hmm. this is a very long long build up for the cool stuff but now that you have sort of shed some light like brought brought to to mind all of these like finer details that go into like the cinematography and how it's created mm. as far as like oh like they go into this room and they come out and it's completely different and it fits kind of what we learned after watching the movie that this place is weird the whole hotel is just really fucked up it's just screwed and it, it I think it's it helps me gain a deeper appreciation of the movie I don't know if at the end of the day I'm going to like it anymore that yeah. that probably won't change I really appreciated a lot of the things that like I picked up on, especially in Jack Nicholson's acting. Just watching the guy on screen is incredible. And the way that Mm -hmm. he lost his mind kind of gradually, but also not so gradually, whereas it kind of seemed like he went into it and he was already pretty, you know, frail, like frayed upstairs. And then he just snaps and goes nuts. I I think appreciation-wise, I'm going to gain a lot, especially after talking to you, who has done a ton of research on this because Mason and I watched some yeah. of the editorial like the YouTube videos and I was like oh okay wow there actually is a lot more to this 
But mm-hmm. so my appreciation, I think, is going to go up for sure. But I don't know if I'm gonna Good. gonna wind up liking it anymore. It, yeah, I think like you hear about The Shining. That's why I was excited for this because it's like if both of you haven't seen it, you just know oh, The Shining, classic horror movie. You're gonna expect something like Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street, like that type of horror. And this is not that at all. Yeah. Um, and I like. I like both of those types. Like, I like super gory slasher stuff, but I also like this slow burn. You just watch a man just going insane. And, like, Uh like you said, Jack Nicholson, his acting is incredible in this. You could teach an entire acting class just on his performance in this movie. Like, he's incredible in this. Um, And so, yeah, I think going into this without having those expectations... It's. I can see how it's definitely like disappointing, I guess. Um, but having the background on stuff, I was very excited to like not blow your guys' mind. I'm hoping to blow your guys' minds or whatever. But the conspiracy mm-hmm. theories have blown my mind. There are so many more, Mason. There are so. There's so many different. I'm a conspiracy theory guy, so I I can dig it. Nice. Um. So there's. Do you guys, are you familiar with any of the scenes? We're kind of getting away from the plot here, and that's just because it's it's pretty simple. It's just a man and his family stuck in this hotel. Um, some people have The Shining, like the boy, um, and you can like talk to each other through your brains. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the hotel has it, and so that's why the hotel's kind of creepy, whatever. But Essentially, you know, Jack Nicholson just goes crazy and tries to kill his family. It's a pretty straightforward plot, but it's all the stuff on the side that makes it interesting to me. So that's kind of why I'm I'm not touching on it. If you just watch the movie and you're listening to this podcast, then you know the plot. So I guess that's why I'm here is to kind of add the stuff on the side. But did you guys know of any scenes from the movie before you watched it because i think mason you oh, said yeah. like you know the iconic scene but like for me there's so many scenes in this movie that just come to mind immediately so i was wondering if like you guys have a favorite scene or one that will like if someone says the shining you'll think of that one i think it's definitely the like axe through the doorway like, there's so many times okay. where, like, I'm either, like, watching a YouTube video or just, like, doing or something, and they'll use that scene, like, they'll edit that scene in to something, mm-hmm. or the when he's frozen at the end, that's, like, a common GIF, I feel like, or yeah. GIF, however you want to put it. Like, if anybody's cold, like, you'll literally type in, like, freezing cold, and it'll be a picture of him, mm-hmm. like, frozen, frozen solid. So, like, yeah. I... I'd never heard of the sh- like I'd heard of the Shining, but I honestly like going into it knew nothing about like what it was really about. But I definitely like you just see those around, no matter like if you're a fan of horror movies or not. Like they just pop up. Yeah, the yeah. axe is probably one of the biggest ones. I feel like, especially around this time of year, where scary movies are definitely getting a, a huge boost with Halloween right around the corner. Like you know how um, movie channels will do those commercials where they like. It's little bitty tidbits of scenes from like a bunch of movies, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, I gotta watch this channel because they're playing this movie." I feel like that scene where he's busting on the door and he like looks through the crack and he goes, "Here's Johnny!" Like that mm-hmm. is always on those commercials. Exactly. 
That's um, iconic for me. Yeah, and I think my favorite part about that scene is the cinematography. So whenever he's on the outside and he's breaking down the door, the camera is focused on the axe. So it'll move every single hit. It moves with the axe. Mm-hmm. And like that just makes the shot so much more interesting to me than like him standing still and just beating it down with like the camera just standing still. Like the camera moves and like it adds just that much emphasis to like this guy's gonna break this door down and it's just like back and forth and then you know eventually he gets in. But are you guys ready for another conspiracy theory? Dun, 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 dun. So, um, okay, there's way too many numbers to remember i wrote them down let me try to find it okay so there's many numbers in this movie that repeat specifically 12 21 and 42 okay which one are you saying mason he's down to flash okay 42. so 42 the room is room 237 2 times 3 times 7 equals 42. Coincidence? God, that... Could be. Could be, okay? But, okay, Jack is chasing Wendy up the stairs. It is edited together. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. It is edited together so that she swings her bat. They're just small movements. She swings her bat 42 times. You're no kidding. Okay. way. No, she swings no, her okay. bat forty-two times. No way. Supposedly, that's what the documentary said. You have one to watch more that thing. One again. Danny has a shirt. It has the number yeah. forty-two on it. Uh-huh. One more thing, since we're talking about him breaking down the door, it takes him exactly forty-two seconds to break down the door. You've got to be kidding me! <laughs> this is absurd. <laughs> Dude, this is also, this has got to be like a movie junkie's like best <laughs> also, favorite movie. The movie that like at one point it shows Danny and Wendy they're watching a movie and he's like, "Can't go play with my fire truck," and she's like, "Don't wake up your dad." They're watching the movie Summer of Forty Two. That's just a lot of forty twos, right? I thought you were about to say forty two, Jackie Robinson. No, but that would be cool. I think that's what the number on his shirt was yeah yeah yeah. going back on your comments about like how the axe and the camera move together Mm -hmm. i mentioned earlier that like it was like for me slow Mm -hmm. in the first you know hour portion of the movie but i will like you do give them props for the way they shot the film like i don't even know that much about like the way people shoot film and everything but you could Mm -hmm. tell that it was like distinctively different comparative to other movies and i also know that like all those in all the introduction scenes of the scenery and forest mm-hmm. i think those like they didn't have drones back then so obviously no. those were shot from like a helicopter or something they were so that makes it way more impressive and then th- they had like a lot of long panning shots mm-hmm. and i like i don't like 1917 but they mm-hmm. reminded me of that movie because of how just like long of a painting shot they were as they like walked through the hotel mm-hmm. so um i think there's also some cool tricks that they do with the camera like sometimes um it'll be instead of like having both of the actors faces in it 
it'll be kind of further away and it kind of feels like you're just watching them do something. And so like you kind of get the feeling that they're being watched by you watching them. Like it kind of subliminally, like you're like watching them. Um, and there's also a bunch of stuff from the documentary I watched that is so fascinating to me. Like there's a tower at the beginning of the hotel. It shows like the outside shot of the hotel. It kind of establishes the location. Um, and it will slowly transfer to like a shot of them in the interior. And there's like going to be a ladder in the next shot standing up and it matches perfectly with the tower on the outside of the hotel, I guess. And then there's another one where like, um, it's also in the beginning whenever they're doing the interview or they just moved in and he's like, where's your luggage? Uh, we'll have this guy bring it up for you. And there's like a big pile of luggage and then it will like fade into the next scene. And instead of there being the big pile of luggage luggage, it's now further away. And it's a group of people standing there talking and like, it's so weird to me that like he has the same shapes and then it will like fade into a different shot. And like those same shapes are there. I don't know why, but like, that's fascinating to me. It's crazy that he thinks about that. I know. That's why like you guys were like, Oh, if he had an IQ of 200, maybe he could make a movie. And I was just like, there's, that was a good joke. I, yeah. But like, there's so much more, like there's so much deeper stuff that it kind of makes me think like, yeah, this guy's a genius. Like, I don't know. I love Kubrick and all of this movie. He's so. either a genius or he's crazy. <laughs> I think both. I think both. Or a little, a little bit, bit of both. both. Yeah. yeah, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. So, um, one of the shots, it's probably my favorite shot just cause it's so cool. I guess, um, it shows Jack Nicholson standing over the model of the maze. You know, it's just like a small model on the table. Um, and the camera goes into an overhead and it starts zooming in and then you zoom in and it shows people walking around in it. And then it cuts to like Wendy and, um, Danny in the maze. And I, that's just fascinating to me. Cause like this movie was 1979 or whatever, whenever it was shot, like that's probably easy to do now. You can CGI like someone walking around in there. But how they did this was they shot it. Um, they shot the model of the maze from up above. And then they got on top of an apartment building and designed the bottom to be um, Wendy and Jack, or not Jack, Wendy and Danny walking around in a maze. And then they just like spliced those two together. And I, that was just fascinating to me. Wow, that's high tech. One question that I feel like it is, there's probably an answer to you out there, but I want to ask you was what in the world is up with that scene with the the bear and the dude whenever she's running around? Like, what, where does no that come from? No fucking idea, but I love it. <laughs> there is there is that is just that thing. Like everything else in this movie is so meticulous and well thought out that they just have to throw something totally random out there. I just throw a bear, give just... a guy a blowjob. Just throw that out there. <laughs> I think it's just one of the ghosts, like. Um, that's kind of how I interpreted it is there's a bunch of ghosts in this movie. Some of them have a purpose or like a reasoning why they're there. So Jack, when he goes to the bar in the gold room or whatever, he sees like 
a bartender that used to serve him from Timbuktu to Portland or whatever. That's another thing that makes me think Native Americans because he says Timbuktu. But anyways, um, so I think some of the ghosts have meanings and then other ones are just like, oh, these people died in the hotel, I guess, or they're connected to it. Um, They mentioned it was built on an Indian burial ground. I doubt that guy was like, part of an Indian tribe or anything because yeah. a dude in a suit and a dude in a <laughs> Do you think those scenes are suit? further explained in the book? Like, I haven't read the book, but do you think... So, like, that was something I wanted to ask you is if you had if you had read the book before. No, if this hadn't been last minute, like, had Mason said, hey, Alex, I want to be on for The Shining sometime, I, I would have bought the book and read it. Um, but, you know, this was kind of last minute, so I didn't have the opportunity to i have no clue if it's in the book but i do know like the maze isn't in the book it was like just a topiary topiary i don't know and those the hedges in the book turned into like actual creatures right yeah um it was more magical in that way and this is more like supernatural instead of magical i would say Mm -hmm. Uh, but then again like i think the hotel just moves and transforms and stuff so i don't know if that's supernatural but um there is actually one more scene i just thought of where the setting of the hotel changes and that is three times during the movie danny's on his big wheel riding around yeah um and i love that scene like the sound in that is incredible because like you hear the wheels and then he hits carpet and it's just quiet. And yep. then, you know, I don't, I just love that. Uh, yeah, I mentioned while we were watching it, I don't know, it kind of gave me, like, vibes of, like, something scraping, like an axe or yeah. something scraping, and then, like, he would not be scraping, and then it would scrape again, and then it would not. That's what I got from it. Yeah, it's weird, like, you know, it's just a natural sound. It's literally the sound of a kid riding a big wheel in a hotel, but there's something sinister about, like, the the cuts between it. And they said they didn't even mean for that to happen. Like they, there was going to be music over it or something. And then they like were shooting it and heard it. And they're just like, okay, there's something about this. Like we're just leaving this part in the movie, which I think is cool. Um, but anyways, he, he rides his big wheel around three times. The first time it's on the bottom floor of that main area where Jack likes to type on his German typewriter. Hmm. supposedly a reference to the holocaust conspiracy theory. that's about all that they had um it was a german typewriter and that kubrick worked for a news company um during world war ii and like had would to jack watch be a bunch getting of... tra- like would jack be getting trapped in the like freezer area kind of like represent the jews i don't know mason how did gassed? he get out though Bro, that's what I don't understand. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, I don't know. Either. Everything else kind of has a reasoning behind it, and then a straight up ghost just lets the man out. Who knows? Could have been Danny. Yeah, I. I Danny could have been possessed, been or it could Can be you? old Tone Dog. I'm a big fan of Tony. <laughs> Red Rom. <laughs> Anyways, we're. But getting ghosts off can. The rails. We find out that ghosts, you know, they they can do actual things in this movie because wasn't it. Or supposedly some old lady roughed up Danny. Yeah. Because he comes back um, with the bruise and his like his sweater ripped and stuff. Exactly. So a ghost could unlatch the but fridge, also, right? Maybe Jack could have done it. 
he just got to Danny. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think all of that stuff's kind of open to interpretation because you don't see it. And, you know, no one knows what's going on in this hotel, so. Yeah. See, I think you mentioned earlier that you like a movie that's open for interpretation. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just more simple-minded, but I kind of just want to, like, know what happens. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see why that's appealing but i just like like this is fun to me like we're like it could be this it could be this people saying it's the holocaust people saying it's the moon landing someone said minotaurs you know um i don't know i like that i don't like how i don't like when a movie when you watch it and there you don't see the meaning and then you have to look it up to find out like okay what does any of this mean but, like, this plot made sense. It's just the deeper stuff that doesn't really make sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Um, I wasn't expecting full-on nudity either. <laughs> really I'm th- so sorry, Really Mason. threw me for a loop there. Wow, I'm sorry. I could get sued. Gabe was in the room. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. My, he was watching the movie. My innocent eyeballs were like, whoa, what is happening with this lady in the tub? <laughs> what, what are we watching? Exactly. I love that scene too. Um, it's so creepy. Like she slowly pulls back the curtain. He's like, Jack Nicholson's like, oh, I'm about to himself. get it on. Yeah. And then they start making out and then. Then she gets all grubby. A dead yeah. rotting body. Hey, we've all been there. <laughs> if you say so. I don't know that I've been there, but <laughs> maybe, maybe um, once. That's was up it, for you, they, to, you know. That's up for you to determine. Was it exactly. was it one of the review videos where they gave us some book information about the, who that lady supposedly was? Yes, they mentioned that that she, she was a lady that got involved with, like in the book, got involved with a younger gentleman at the hotel. He ended up like just kind of screwing over, taking her money or whatnot, and then left, and it mm-hmm. drove her basically to suffocate or drown. In yeah, the, in the that tub. makes sense. So, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So thank. You. I thought that was kind of cool too, because that kind of yeah. I was like, wow, the book must be like so helpful because mm-hmm. yeah, that review video kind of gave us the info to like if you had wa- read the book and then you watch this movie, you'd understand who that character was. Be- not it wouldn't mm-hmm. be like me and Mason like, wait, who the hell is this in the bathtub? What what is going on here? They would know what happened in room two thirty seven because this girl. I think mm-hmm. the at least the video said that. She was supposed to meet up or have some affair with this guy, and he stole her car, and then she killed herself in that bathtub. So, hey, we've all been there, too. <laughs> Three times, actually. Yeah, I know you have, Mason. You yeah. guys have so much more life experience than me. I need to get out more. <laughs> yeah, you do. Go um, go to a hotel. Yeah, just stay at a hotel. Uh, the Stanley Hotel in Colorado is what this is based off of, actually. I was going to um, ask, is, that, is there an actual hotel that's up in the mountains like that? Yeah, so it was shot, well, it was mostly, like, sets, but the exterior shot is in North Dakota or Idaho, I think. Um, But when Stephen King wrote the book, he was in Estes Park, Colorado, and saw the Stanley Hotel, and um, Kubrick is actually, he researches very thoroughly and so he had um people members of his research team come and stay at the stanley hotel for i like they said a month or even more than that and just like 
research, kind of get the interior of the hotel down. Um, and then they also went to the Colorado State, um, I don't know what it's called, like the history or whatever. And they looked at like murders and accidents and stuff that happened because like Ghostbusters has been there and stuff like that because it's supposedly haunted. So I think it's cool that he did a ton of homework for that. And it's a beautiful hotel if you guys are ever in Colorado. So go check it out. Um, for, I will say that the cook, I was very disappointed that he made his way from Miami all the way to Colorado just to get bipped in the chest. Yeah. So, um, one of our faithful listeners, uh, Brad Anderson, he is host of the not a bomb podcast who graciously allow me to grace the airwaves of their website. Um, but he actually, after we did Get Out, he recommended a documentary to me called Horror Noir. And it's about um, the kind of the role of African Americans in horror movies. And they actually talked about Get Out and The Shining. And in The Shining, they said um, that is one of the one of the tropes that um, black people play in horror movies is the sacrificial Negro. And they said, it's literally just like they exist in the plot of a movie to, um, you know, move the plot along for the white characters, the main characters. Um, they're just there kind of to serve the purpose. Um, they don't have any actual like character arc or development. And so it kind of did suck that, like, he comes all that way to, like, help out and then just ends up dying. Um, He does probably buy them some time, I guess, but I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. It's one of the tropes that they talked about. Yeah, you never really realize that, but then, like, once you say it, you kind of just think back to, like, a variety of movies that you've watched where there's a, like, secondary character who's African-American and they, like help the lead guy out and blah, 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 and then end up just dying. Yeah. Um, and that's crazy. Yeah, it's sad, but, I mean, like, Get Out is really... I think that's what also makes Get Out awesome, is it doesn't do that. Um, you do have Lil Rel on the outside, who does show up, just like Dick Halloran does, but, you know, he doesn't die. He saves the day. Um, mm-hmm. Would have been cool if Dick could have saved the day, but that's not how it went for him. He took an axe to the chest. So he sort of did. He sort of did save a day because his timing was it was so perfect. Because uh, Jack Nicholson was yeah at the point where he you know he reached in to unlock the door when she sliced mm-hmm. his hand. So I mean, yeah. a couple more seconds and he is probably inside and just chops his wife to pieces. And if he hadn't showed up, the snowcat wouldn't have been there for them to get away. Exactly, and, um, and that's why yeah. I was kind of like, oh, okay, now I understand why he made his way all the way back from my from Miami to you know way up here in the mountains because mm-hmm. that provides their escape vehicle. And he brought it up there. And I'm like, okay, I understand now. But it was so mm-hmm. anticlimactic how he arrives yeah. and then. Is just off. He's just walking through the hallways like, hello, hello, is anybody there? And then all of a sudden just axe to the chest. You're gone, buddy. Thanks for... Yeah, exactly. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's, it is kind of sad that 
he was literally just portrayed as a plot device to move the plot forward. Like, all he did was bring that snowcat, like, bring the escape for them, and then he died. Um, mm-hmm. He was pretty much just a sacrifice, so... I thought that was interesting, and since we brought it up, figured I'd touch on it. Um, oh, Danny! I was talking about his big wheel rides. Uh, the first big wheel ride he takes... It's the bottom floor where Jack's doing the typewriter. Um, and it kind of gives you a layout for, you know, the bottom floor of the hotel. Then the next time, he's just on the floor above. He's going around on the outside. You can see the big windows in one of the shots. Um, so you're like, okay, he's just riding around on the outside. Then on his third drive around, um, he starts out. I think on the bottom and does like half of it. And then the next time he's up on the second, like it's literally just one continuous shot, but like it changes the setting to where like, Oh, instead of you taking a left here and it going down this hallway, you take a left here and it's down this hallway, which is actually on the opposite side of the hotel and on a different story. And so that's another one of those, like they had, they intentionally did that. And it's just weird why. Like, I think just the hotel's supernatural and it's forever changing. The people inside of it don't always make sense. The corridors don't make sense. Um, I don't know. I assume you guys didn't notice that. I didn't notice that either. No, I did not notice that. Is the hotel like a set in stone place or can like any place become the hotel? I think it's a set in stone place because it says it's built on an Indian burial ground. And I... I think that's like, I don't know. I just remember growing up and people were like, oh, it's built on an. We'd go to like a field trip to the Indian burial grounds in Evansville or wherever they are. And we were like, oh, man, you got to be on your best behavior or else all these ghosts are going to kill you, you know? Um, So I think it's just where it's built. And then it had some bad stuff happen in it. And, you know, now it's just supernatural, I guess. Mm hmm. That was kind of one of the things that I wanted to talk about, Alex, is the the like the theme of reincarnation and how certain characters come back. I, I really wanted to pick your brains on um, sort of the very ending shot, how you see that photo hanging on the wall, and it looks mm-hmm. like Jack is like front and center of that thing, and how that uh, reflects on like what his character actually did in the movie that we saw. Same with the butler, or um, how the butler... That's like cleaning him off in the bathroom has the same last name as the guy that ki- killed his parents when he was supposedly, you know, the caretaker. Yeah. So I, I'm just kind of, tr- I was really trying to figure out, especially at the end of the movie, how this all fits with, you know, are they, are those their, like, relatives that met the same fate that they don't know about? Are these the same people that have come back, like, in a different life and now they're, like, kind of replaying the same storyline? Or how does a lot of that fit? I think that, like, the the guy that ended up killing his daughters or whatever, the twin girls, um, who has the same last name as the person in the room, yeah. I just kind of as- assume that's the same guy um, because it doesn't... I think his name's Grady or something. Um, yeah, Char- Charles Grady. Yeah. Um, I don't think it ever shows the murderer. It just shows the one in the bathroom. So I just kind mm-hmm. of was like, okay, those are probably the same guy. But with 
the picture where it says it's from July 4th, 1921, I have no clue. Like, <laughs> that's the one thing that I was hoping a YouTube video told you guys, like, oh, this is how um, he was in this picture from 1921. I have no clue. Like, I just think it's something weird, kind of like how the corridors change and the carpet turns around and stuff like that. I... I don't know. Mason, do you have any thoughts? No, I don't know like exactly the reasoning on how he's in that photo from so long before, but I will say that just thinking about it, the whole movie does kind of like hint at that photo because as they're walking through the hotel, there's a lot of those black and white rectangular photos on the wall Mm -hmm. that like you can't tell who's in them, but they all look like a group of people. So... It, I, I, I think it might be just what Alex is saying to where, like, it's just, like, creepy and supernatural to where the hallways change, the photos can change, like, we yeah. just, we can't understand it, us mortals, we don't have the shining, <laughs> <Us>. so. <laughs> yeah, there's, so I was trying that. to read some stuff online and it was like, um, this guy named Mastermind, he has this huge... Like, I don't know if you can see it. I'll scroll for you. The people on the podcast won't be able to listen, but it's him, like, analyzing everything in the movie. And I tried to read it. The font's too small. I just wanted it in, like, a podcast format. There's Uh nothing. Um, But, like, yeah, there's so many people that analyze this movie and talk about it, but, like, I still don't think, even after all that, there's no concrete answer on what it exactly is happening at the overlook hotel and did anyone ever interview the director for this film and like ask him he's dead now right yeah he is um he's not from how i took it he's not very open about that stuff like so he's just um, saying good luck i guess it's just yeah do your own thing there is a documentary about him that I think his sister's husband directed and like wrote about him. Um, and it goes through like all of his notes and stuff like that. But I couldn't find anything concrete about what this movie is about. But I do have more conspiracies if you guys are interested. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, conspiracy. Before we, before we wrap it up, I guess, I'll go into some more conspiracies. So, I... Already talked about the moon landing. I kind of hinted at the Holocaust one. The Holocaust one was kind of silly. Um, the Minotaur one's very silly. Um, it has... Is the only reference the like the maze? The hedge no, maze? No, that's not the only one. So okay. That's the main one um, probably though, right? Because doesn't that yeah, fit when, with the, the labyrinth? That's that, that hedge labyrinth outside and kind of what you're yeah. saying with you know the corridors and stuff, how they're always changing and it seems like you're in a maze. Exactly. Um, so, do you guys remember the scene when Danny's playing darts at the very beginning? It's not yeah, the very beginning. Yeah, and he sees but, those twins. Um, yeah, so whenever it turns around and shows the twins, behind them is a poster. It's like a skiing poster for Monarch Mountain. Um, and, like, if you pause it and, like, actually look at it, it doesn't look like human legs. It kind of just looks like animal legs. And so they're like, oh, it's a minotaur. Um and then I guess the word monarch is based, like, its roots are in some type of uh, 
constellation, and then that constellation looks like a minotaur or something. So, dude, see, that's just too deep for me. I don't, I, I don't yeah. go looking for that in a movie. Yeah, like it's literally the just roots a monarch of this poster. word relate to this constellation exactly, which is this kind of mythology. Um, I think a lot of these, like especially the moon landing one, um, I think it's just like you come up with that, and then you're like, "Oh, that's uh, what's what's the word I'm thinking of?" Like, um, it's not like a feedback loop, but I have a confirmation bias. Like, it's literally just confirmation bias. You have an idea, and then when you watch the movie again. Everything you see, you can kind of like make it fit your preconceived notions of what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. So, like, that guy has his about the moon landing, and so he talks about, like, oh, this number, it must be where they shot it. Um, and, I like, really they also think, get. Yeah, sorry. sorry go on. No, go on. I really Mason. think we should sit down someday and watch it again, and then just, like, develop the craziest, like, <laughs> theory about the movie. Like, Oh, room two three seven, like two dollars and thirty seven cents. That's how much a Dave's double is at Wendy's. That's that's why. <laughs> Holy that way. And the the girl's name's Wendy. Exactly. See, <laughs> mind blown. And a lot of the rooms in the movie are squares, and Wendy's patties are squares. Exactly. This is getting a little make, too deep now. It all makes sense. <laughs> it's actually just a Wendy's marketing ploy. Exactly. Um, but yeah, there's they have a ton of conspiracies, but most of them are numbers. Um, so like we mentioned 42. That was the one that had the most like examples of it. Um, but then there's other ones like 21... Um, the elevators, anytime it shows like the red elevators in the book, there's only one elevator in the movie. There's two. And one of them is always on the second floor. And one of them is always on the first floor, which is kind of weird. Mm. Um, and I kept my eye on that whenever I was watching Dr. Sleep and it wasn't the same. So I was like, it would have been kind of cool if they would have kept that just as a little homage or whatever. A little nod um, to the conspiracy theories. Exactly. But um another one with 21 at the end whenever it zooms in on the picture from 1921 there are 21 pictures on the wall there are also this one's kind of weird i don't know how they did it but there are two candles above the pictures but there's only one shadow of a candle like on the wall next to it two one oh <laughs> my god yeah. and then another one is in the opening scene there are 21 or he goes at the opening they walk past like mailboxes and there's 21 mailboxes like holes for mail and then it zooms in whenever Danny is running away from Jack in the maze to escape him um it zooms in on footprints and it shows exactly 21 footprints until Danny starts backtracking so there's more numbers. Oh wait, it's I gotta do the thing. Coincidence? <laughs> I you think need, not. You need I, to make it's, like all, a it's all gotta be the same coincidence, right? Because if twenty one is just half of forty two, so they're all it's all related. Exactly. Um, it's all the same. It's just a sequence of numbers. It's all the same conspiracy. 
Yeah, it it is. It's real weird. I know twelve's another one. I can't remember anything other than two three seven adds up to twelve. I think two three yeah. Um, there were other ones, but yeah, the only one that I kind of stand by and think that Kubrick was actually trying for was the like genocide of Native Americans because of all the decorations on the inside. Um, he went to, like I mentioned earlier, he went to the state place in Colorado and looked at the history of Colorado and like, that was a pretty big thing out here. Um, manifest destiny and just people kind of taking over. So do you guys have any thoughts on that? Anything about any conspiracies or any of, of the, those that I mentioned that you guys think of? One of the YouTube videos going on the Native American concept mm-hmm. added that when Jack was in his like writer's room, that big wall room area, he was throwing a ball up against a wall and like the wall was had like Native American art on it. So it's yeah. kind of another sign of like the disregard for like that's their culture. Like it's really a, like an incredibly cool culture, but people just don't really care. Mm-hmm. And when they talk about at the beginning, they're like, oh, has royalty stayed here? And like, who all stayed here? And he's just like, oh, we've had some pretty like great people stay here. And like on the walls, it's just portrait of like Native American generals and stuff. And so it's one of those like, oh, these Native Americans used to live right here. Now they're buried under us and we have all these greater people staying here. Um, that's kind of how I saw it. But. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to touch on? No giraffes. No giraffes. That is true. Um, would have been cool if they kept the Stephen King animals coming to life and one was a giraffe. That would have been great. Yep. You might've gotten bonus points. A plus three. Exactly. (laughs) Gabe, do you have anything you want to say before we wrap it up? Mm, man, no, I I think I, I'm going to have to give it another watch, at least one more chance. I'm sure it'll be very interesting to, um, you know, pick up on a lot more of these details that you've kind of brought to life. I guess, did you, in your research, have you come across any, like, dramatic symbolism behind the elevator scene, which I feel is also pretty iconic whenever all that, you know, blood just rushes out of the elevator as Wendy's staring there just absolutely terrified? Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the things where I'm like, okay, this scene, like, it's got to mean something. Surely there's, surely there's some kind of symbolism behind this. It's not just something that's supposed to be scary. Yeah, I don't have anything, like, down for that. It's kind of weird. All the, I guess it's not weird, uh, but the conspiracy room two thirty seven that goes into the conspiracies, it talks on like the non major parts of the film and I think that's because like you look at this small part of the film that doesn't seem to have any meaning mm-hmm. and they are like oh it has to um, and then the I guess the big parts of the movie that do have meaning they didn't really touch on and I guess I'm kind of doing the same thing because I didn't really look into that or I didn't really look into what how he was there in 1921 or whatever um, so did you guys find anything in your videos about it i think i just assume it's kind of like the the history of the hotel like i don't not overflowing but like 
I don't know. It's oh, kind of like really, a living. Yeah. It's like a living, breathing thing. You know, like it has blood running through it. Um, and I think that kind of touches that not conspiracy, but that notion I have that like the hotel's alive and it's moving, like the corridors change, and I guess the blood running through it's kind of that too. If yeah, if I were to speculate, that's I would have probably said something along that lines, and just how it mm-hmm. had to do maybe with like you know the bloody history behind this uh you know the hotel itself but maybe also some of the the meanings behind the film as far as like you know the white uh genocide of native americans Mm -hmm. you know obviously bloody that that probably was yeah and if any listeners are listening to any of this and they're like oh i saw it as this like please write in i'm fascinated about this stuff if you guys can't tell i watched three different movies preparing for this so if anybody's like oh i think the blood was this or i think this was how he was here in 1921 reach out i'd love to read it talk about it and then let my lovely guests know as well so we can talk about it more um mason you got anything you want to add i do not are we ready to rate this thing yeah so guys after has your rating changed after doing this recording? Because I find that's how it happens for me a lot, is, like, I'll go into a movie being like, okay, I think you're going to rate it this, and then we talk about it, and I'm like, actually, I think I like this more. I'm going to raise it up some. So has your rating, your original rating changed? Yes, I would say, I don't know, in a way it has. I was going into it, like, right after the film, like, kind of in our, like, little pre- preparation lobby here i was Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna vote this thing a one like i don't like it but i think i would give it a two um i think it was an added i I think it got a plus one um while talking about it just because there's so many little details that i'm kind of thinking about now and it's a two with a chance for a three if when i go to rewatch it in the future that's what i'm gonna get it Okay, Gabe, what about you? One to three, how do you rate it? All right, we got and the one to three scale. Okay. Um, my viewer experience, whenever I you know, initially watched the film, probably getting on about two and a half hours ago now, was a one, for sure. And mm. I, I might have even, if zero was a thing, I might have even said it was a zero <laughs> because most of it was like, okay, Wendy's, I didn't really like her as an actor. I'm like, all right, what's Danny's story? Like, why is he so weird? And then by the end of it, I was kind of like, okay, maybe this gift that the, you know, the chef was talking to him about has to do with why he's acting so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably would have said given it a zero had you know Jack Nicholson not been in it, and I really enjoyed watching him snap. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the, the act scenes, but like whenever he's, you know, pretty much decided that he's gonna kill his family, and he's like slowly stalking Wendy like through that big room and she's like waving the bat at him up the stairs and he's like yeah hey I, t- I said I'm not gonna hurt you but let me finish my sentence I said I'm not gonna hurt you I'm just gonna bash your brains in yeah like that those kind of things are what made it you know more enjoyable for me in my initial viewing so that's why I'm like okay I'll at least give it a one but now that we've discussed all this stuff I would probably say my rating has changed or it has the potential to change Next okay. time I watch it, I will certainly be paying a little bit more attention to the details, and I might give it the chance for it to. Great. Maybe. I'm glad to hear it. 
Um, I obviously am giving it a three. Um, my mom texted me her like top ten movies of all time, and so I had to make my own. The Shining was in there. Um, top ten favorites. I just, I don't know. It's so interesting to me. It was Alex, in there what, before I even did the research. What else is in your top ten? Oh, I can. Uh, should I read the whole thing? Or maybe just throw a few out. I'm, I'm kind of interested. Okay, I will. I gotta pull her up. No Country for Old Men. Okay. Um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is also Kubrick. Kubrick. It's also a slow burn if if you're going to watch it. It's a slow burn. Um, the Dark Knight. Oh, fantastic. The Wizard of Oz. The wi- Really? Okay. I love it. I almost cried. Okay, so I never watched it like growing up because it starts out in black and white, and I was like, that's stupid. I hate black and white movies. And then I bought it in 4K. <laughs> And I'm not even going to lie. I almost cried whenever it turns to color because it's in 4K. It's so beautiful. She looks, oh, man, it's incredible. I'm, I'll cry right now just talking about it. Um, wow. And then Pulp Fiction, Silence of the Lambs, and Psycho. The other two are foreign movies people probably don't know. but Okay, all right. I'm going to add some of them to my, my two-watch list here coming up. There you Paddington? go. Paddington's not in the top 10, but it's literally, it'd be like 11 or 12. Oh. I love Paddington. <laughs> Everybody watch Paddington. Um, but speaking of which, not Paddington, but about movies that I'm recommending. Um, after every episode, I like to recommend a movie. Um, I already touched on Roman Polanski earlier, and he directed my recommendation for this week. It's called The Tenant. Um, it's about a guy that lives in this apartment and he the former tenant killed themselves as a woman and he thinks everybody is kind of like forming a conspiracy to turn him into her like he can't smoke his brand of cigarettes he starts smoking her brand and it's just a bunch of weird stuff and it's literally it's just like this it's just a man going crazy which i like um my so, yeah, my brother Isaac actually recommended that I he saw it not long ago and he's like, hey if you're because it was actually whenever we were watching Get Out last week, he goes yeah. if you like that uh, check out the tent I just saw it and it was awesome so. Man, I need to meet Isaac. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a moviegoer. He he appreciates good movies. Nice, sweet. Um, so touched on that. Um, I'm gonna talk about what we're doing next week and then you guys can promote whatever you want. Um, next week, I'm being joined by the beautiful Veronica Inkenbrandt, and we will be doing, reviewing Little Women from 2019, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it's incredible. Everybody go watch Little Women and then join me and Ronnie next week. So, with that being said, thanks for joining, guys. Do you have anything you want to promote right now? Uh, I, you know, I was here on here last episode, touched on my vintage page, me and Gabe, uh, run that. And so if you want to check that out again, it's Valley underscore vintage underscore CO on Instagram. Uh, I just want to say thanks for having me on two weeks in a row. I didn't like the movie, but like, I don't know, sitting down and talking about a movie for an hour and a half with my buds. I'm a big fan of, I, you know, if I get the chance to be on in the future, I'm definitely going to take it. So you will, dude, we got to do ready player one. Ooh, one of my favorites. <laughs> Another shining <laughs> reference, I guess. 
Uh, Gabe, do you have anything else you want to promote? Oh, man, no. Um, no. Yeah, Valley Vintage would probably be one of the biggest things. I don't know that, you know, saying we run it together, is that's a kind of inflated. Mason's definitely the talent there, kind of just <laughs> co-founders, but he's he's the one that does most of the work. He's He really knows what he's doing, and it's fun to watch him do it. Um, nice. But, yeah, everybody check out Valley Vintage. It's, it's kind of become a little... Uh, side passion for us it's it's a lot of fun um but no alex thanks for having me on man i, I really enjoyed it just to echo what hey, Mason no said, getting on here and talking about movies with you guys is is a blast i enjoyed it yeah that's why i'm doing it um if you ever have any other movies you want to do let me know you can hop on and Certainly. um yeah valley vintage links are going to be down in the show notes so if you guys would just take a look at it um i'm sure they would appreciate it and I would appreciate it too. So absolutely. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for joining and everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a happy and safe Halloween and thanks for being so spooky with us this month. So uh, join in next week. We're going to go more lighthearted. We're going to do little women. Um, so should be a yeah, good one. It, it will be. Best so, of luck. Thank you. And thanks again for joining and thank you for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. Guys. Good night. <laughs>